Welcome to this MTech Access webinar. At MTech Access, we provide health economics and outcomes research and market access services from strategy through to implementation. Our unique NHS relationships guide and validate everything we do in the UK. We work with over 80 NHS associates to bring our pharmaceutical and medtech clients authentic insights into the NHS. We can help you answer key questions related to the NHS, from how to communicate with integrated care systems, places and primary care networks, to how to capture pathways of care. Get in touch today to discuss your market access goals. First though, I hope you enjoy the webinar. Hello everybody and welcome to this MTech Access NHS Whispers uh, session. I'm Robert Hull and I'm one of the senior consultants at MTech Access in our NHS Insights and Interaction team. And it's my pleasure to bring you to our, our webinar today, which is, is all about integrated care uh, in NHS Wales. And you know, what, what, what can England and you know, the, the wider UK uh, learn from Wales? And, and how it's put together its integrated care system, how it's innovating, uh, and, and what it's been doing recently. Um, we've got a really good mix in the audience today. So we've got lots of people from the industry and also the NHS. And I'd also like to welcome um, some of our NHS associates who sort of play, play a big role in the, in the work we do at MTech Access. For those who don't know us very well and, and might be sort of coming to this webinar as you know, the, the first time they've come across us or met us, um, MTech Access is a specialist health economics and operational research agency. Uh, we also do a lot of market access, uh, other bits of research too, and health economics. Um, we've got a good track record in expert delivery, and we used to do lots of different bits of support for, for pharmaceutical companies and medtech, and also work as a collaborative partner uh, to the NHS. But today, as I said, we're going to be focusing on NHS Wales, uh, and it's my pleasure to welcome our, our guest and speaker today, um, Paul Mears. So, Paul, you're the, the, the CEO and the executive of Comtaf uh, uh, Morganog. Apologies if I butchered that again, but um, very much a, a, a warm welcome. And um, yeah, if you could maybe give a little bit of an introduction about yourself and we'll, we'll kick off and sort of go through that conversation. Great. Uh, thank you, Robert. And uh, good afternoon, everybody. Nice to be here with you. Um, yes, as Robert said, I'm Paul Mears. I'm Chief Executive of Comtaf Morganog University Health Board. Um, in, uh, I'll just give you a little bit of a background to the health board. We're, um, for those of you who don't know the Welsh system, uh, in Wales, the NHS is organised under seven health boards. So uh, each looking after a geographic area of the country. And we are, my health board looks after the uh, area that covers the three local authorities in, in Wales of Bridgend, uh, the Rhondda, and Taff local authority and Merthyr Tydfil. So it's basically all the, the valleys, the South Wales valleys uh, and down to Bridgend and Porthcawl on the coast, um, characterised by obviously the post-industrial mining communities, very much a key part of our uh, community and the area we cover. Um, we're serving a population of about 450,000 people and uh, we have a budget of £1.3 billion to care for the population that we are responsible for. Um, uh, just to be clear, so the health board, what, what do we actually do? Uh, well, the health board is responsible for both commissioning and providing services, so a bit different to the ICS structure in England, where we actually are directly responsible provision, for provision of care. So we have three district general hospitals that we deliver services through. Um, we, uh, we also provide all of the community services to our population, so district nursing, community therapies, uh, health visiting, school nursing, those sorts of things. 
all of the mental health services and that ranges right through from low level uh, support right through to, uh, to tier four secure services for both adults and children and we also have provide public health services which are actually under the health board so again slightly different to in England where public health sits with local authority we in Wales have public health sat within the health board so um, broad range of responsibilities in terms of provision but we also commission all of the uh, primary care services so uh, GP services optometry dental uh, pharmacy we are responsible for commissioning all of those services as well so it's a very broad set of responsibilities uh, but a really great opportunity when we're talking about integration of care to think about how we can really maximize the potential that the structures that we have in Wales present us with. Thank you. So that, that, that's a really sort of broad breadth uh, of activity. So how, how, where does the where does the CEO role sit in that? Where 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 or how do you focus? If, if that is a so, really so, good question. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And 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 it's it's an interesting one. I mean, perhaps just give a bit of a background to me as well, because my my background prior to working in this job, I've been in this job for three years now. Um, mm. And I started my career in the NHS in England and worked for many years down in Devon. I was uh, worked in community services in Torbay. Uh, in Devon for many years where we did a lot of work on integration of health and social care um, and I was director of ops in the integrated app hospital provider there where we brought in all the social care services into the local from the local authority into a care trust down in Torbay uh, and then went and worked in a hospital down in Torbay as chief operating officer so got experience of working in acute hospital services and then I moved from there to Somerset where I was chief executive of Yeovil Hospital uh, where we did a lot of work uh, as part of the NHS England new care models work a few years ago looking at different ways of delivering services in an integrated way particularly there looking at the interface between primary care and secondary care which took us into the territory very much of primary care we set up um, Symphony Healthcare Services which was a which still is a, a large-scale GP provider which is now running about 15 GP practices in Somerset um, and we also did a lot lot of work looking at how we integrated a different model of care using data to drive our approach. So um, that sort of led me into a space of uh, getting interested in that whole area of integrated care. I then actually, when I left Yeovil, did a couple of years doing independent consultancy work and did a lot of work with McKinsey, okay. working mm -hmm. on integrated health system work. So I guess in terms of my job now, it, it's the perfect opportunity, I guess, to sort of bring together my experience of having worked in community services, social care, primary care, hospital services, and think about how do we use the opportunity we have in Wales to sort of um, bring about a real change in the way we, we, we sh and shifting our focus into much one of which is not just about delivering better care for people when they come into our facilities today, but also how do we start to really get into that space of thinking how an integrated model of care could start to make an improvement in health outcomes for the population because um, given the demography of the population we serve we have some really really difficult health outcomes that we need to try and tackle so as a chief exec I, I'm slightly sort of um, uh, sort of schizophrenic in a way because at one minute I'm focusing on what are we doing today in terms of how many ambulances are waiting outside yeah, the hospital yeah, yeah. or A&E performance or waiting times for orthopedic surgery and at the same time thinking about well how do we actually make an inroad into the long-term health outcomes for our population so it can be quite a challenging role because you're constantly lifting your eyes from one very operational here and now today to the long term but that in some ways makes the job that, that really interesting because it does mean that we've got one me and my team there is just one team of people from my population responsible for 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 the levers, if you like, that we have at our disposal. Yeah, 
So when you're when you're dealing with those challenges, you know, we, we hear a lot of the news about the different challenges faced by the NHS, you know, whether that's workforce or capacity or winter pressures. What, what, are, what are those key challenges that face you? I guess, you know, are they all the same as the national ones or are there some real sort of ones with a, with a Welsh focus that you think you might have a, a slightly unique sort of? Yeah. What, what are the, where are those? Well, I think I think so. So as I said earlier, I started this job three years ago, so arrived in the midst of, of the pandemic so uh, and, and our population in Manganog was particularly hard hit by Covid uh, because of the demographic profile of our population the comorbidity issues in our population we had some of the highest transmission rates during the Covid pandemic and sadly some of the highest death rates from Covid in, in the pandemic not just in Wales but across the UK so uh, our, and, and prior to Covid the Welsh waiting list system was already more challenged than probably the English system was. So yeah. in terms of the key challenges in common with the rest of the NHS, the recovery from COVID. May just give it a second. I think our, our, our webcams have been taken off due to maybe a slight technical difficulty. Now, you, you were talking about the, the, the particular challenges you'd face. Okay. You joined yeah, during so, COVID. Sorry, the, the, waiting list, the waiting list challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the waiting list challenges I've, I've just described there and the particular complexity of comorbid populations that we're having to deal with. Um, I think the other the other big challenge, like everybody, is workforce and um, in common with everyone else in the NHS at the moment, trying to uh, get enough capacity and resource to deal with the support that we need uh, and to get the workforce in that we need is, is, is a big pressure for us. Um, and, and, and I think you know, we, we are working closely with our um, colleagues in other health boards to think about novel ways of, sort of bringing in new workforce. But I suppose the other the other big uh, um challenge facing everybody is is the financial resources um you know everybody's mm. strapped for for cash at the moment aren't they and and uh, therefore that brings a challenge but i think it also underpins um why the current model of care is probably not fit for purpose and we need to start to think about a more longer term financial plan that is about how do we tackle some of the long term determinants of health because ultimately at the moment we're pouring more and more money into the most expensive bit of the system i.e the hospital sector when actually really what we need to be trying to do is think about how do we uh, move more money upstream into prevention uh, and public health interventions that will start to help deal with some of the burden and disease pressures um, so yeah i mean the challenges are are, are similar uh, there are some particularly acute challenges in my part of wales because of the demography of the population but I think, to be honest, it's just a, a, the, the level of degrees of severity of the of the pressures that the rest of the NHS is facing as well. That's really interesting. Um, so, you know, so national pressures, but, you know, maybe slightly more pronounced in certain parts uh, and, and others. Um, and, and how how are you looking to, to to combat these? You know, there's quite a lot of work in collaboration with industry in some parts of England. Is, you, is that an approach that you guys are taking? I've read some really encouraging bits about, you know, community groups and sort of uh, their role that can be played in, in South Wales. So you know, are there any particular ways that you'd like to highlight that you think are quite effective for meeting these challenges? Yeah, so so as I said earlier, one, one of the big challenges um, has has been you know some of the demographics of our population but i also think what we've tried to do as part of our strategy as an organization is think about how do we turn that into an opportunity as well so one of the real strengths of our community is that sense of, of community that we have some really strong um voluntary sector groups community groups communities in the valleys that are very um self-sufficient and are very uh, very local 
you know, so really, really strong sense of community that comes out of the post-industrial uh, mining, mining towns and villages. So part of our challenge as a health board was to think about, well, how do we, how do we capitalize on that and use that social asset more actively and try and support and encourage local communities to take more control of their health and well-being? How do we get some of the messaging out into those communities? Because you know, frankly, there is there is an element of mistrust of public sector organisations in some of these communities, and so us mm. as a health as as a health board rolling into town and telling everybody to stop smoking, eat more healthily, lose weight, take more exercise is pretty much going to fall on deaf ears. But if it's the local voluntary sector leader or community group leader who people know and respect and trust, having that conversation, there's probably more likelihood that that will be. Uh, accepted and understood. So we've built up a really strong relationship now with a number of uh, voluntary sector groups, community groups. We run a regular community leaders forum where we bring those people together. We talk about some of the things that we are trying to achieve as a health board uh, and they effectively take on that role of becoming our agents, if you like, with their local communities to help spread that message and start to in integrate that messaging into those communities. So I think that's something we see very much strategy for moving forward of, of of engagement and involvement of local communities and helping shape that so that's one sort of group of stakeholders i think we need to be really uh, very alert to mm. but i think your point your question about industry I, I i i'm a great believer that there is a massive amount of opportunity for the nhs to work more collaboratively with industry partners i think it's probably something historically the nhs has been slightly nervous about Sorry, could you just repeat that last sentence? I think I think again our, our audio went, so we might have to just stay off the stay off the webcam and just use the uh, yeah, no. just use the audio. I was I, I was no. yeah 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 that's fine. I I was just I was just saying that I think there's been this challenge and tension maybe in the hist in past and probably more so in Wales than I'd seen in England of that slight mm -hmm. um, nervousness about working with industry, but I think that is shifting, and I think we are starting to see a greater degree of, degree of collaboration now with with industry partners, there's there's quite a, a good structure in Wales to interface with um, industry life sciences partners through the Life Sciences Hub in Wales, which is a, uh, a arm's length body that sort of coordinates and 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 provides an interface between industry and and the NHS. But I also think there are some more tactical innovations and opportunities that health boards are starting to exploit in working with partners, whether that's around data, whether that's about working on new care models, med med tech companies. Um, pharma companies so i think there is a there is a growing recognition i think in the nhs in wales that the problems facing us are so significant they're not going to be able to be solved by ourselves alone they're going to require us to work in a collaborative and joined up way with other partners that's really interesting so if, if there's a company you think they might have a really good piece of innovation whether that's you know digital or a bit of tech or you know maybe a pharmaceutical intervention and they think it could be really useful in in, in wales how would you suggest that they go around contacting you know, yourselves or your colleagues or other parts of the NHS mm. in Wales? You know, how do they make meaningful engagement and collaboration happen? Well, I think, as I said earlier, there, there's a really good opportunity with the Life Sciences Hub in Wales who are really mm. linked, linked in. So they're, they're a really good starting point and I would certainly suggest making contact with them um, because they're already working in that interface between the NHS and industry. I think also, mm. you know, getting in contact with um, chief executives is directly is, I think, something that I, certainly I've, I've been used to and I'm very happy. Uh, doesn't mean I'm always going to be able to respond myself to it, but certainly we've got an innovation team within my organisation who 
would be the people who would then pick up the follow, uh, the follow through on those conversations and, and follow that through. I think the other thing to highlight is in Wales that we do also have a really interesting um, structure around value-based healthcare. So we have a, mm. the Welsh Value in, Value in Health Centre who are really active in looking at opportunities to drive greater degree of value and improved outcomes in healthcare. And again, they're a good route in. And Dr. Sally Lewis, who is the director of the Welsh, Welsh Value in Health Centre, is very much in, networked into various industry partners who are looking at um, opportunities for driving greater value in in the NHS in Wales so there's a number of routes in I think there I would I would suggest people follow through and um, and certainly uh, I, I, I would I'm always keen to hear and listen to uh, views and thoughts of industry partners of what they can do to help us tackle some of our challenges. Yeah I think value-based procurement is becoming ever more important uh, to understand, I guess, also in England and and in the wider UK. So I know that NHS England has very much embraced it and has a new commercial team or newish now. I think they've been around for about 18 months sort of driving forward value-based procurement and trying to simplify the process. So it's encouraging to hear. So it's the the same process in Wales. Um, To jump a a little bit. So I know that sort of the the Welsh system is sort of embraces something called prudent healthcare and it has some documents out around that. Would, would you be able to sort of expand a little bit on that and maybe whether that's, how that figures into your thinking and... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, absolutely. So so the prudent healthcare philosophy has been around in Wales for, for a number of years now, and, and really it is, it is that principle of value-based care. So that how do we deliver better value? Uh, how do we, live, sorry, how do we live the better outcomes for our population? whilst also mm. making best use of the resources available to us. So there is a lot of work and it underpins much of the work we're doing in Wales, that philosophy of value-based healthcare, prudent healthcare, thinking about where we can make lower level interventions that are better outcomes for patient at, and at lower cost. And as I said, we have a team, a national team, overseeing that work across Wales and every health board in Wales uh, will have a value-based healthcare lead or team working on local initiatives that are trying to support clinicians who want to think about implementing lower cost interventions to improve outcomes and um, you know we're doing some work at the moment in my organization looking at diabetes for example which is a big challenge in my health board with the with the particular demographics that we have and thinking about well is there a different way we can deliver diabetes care that is about much more using technology to support it, lower level interventions, how do we encourage patients to uh, take more control of their health uh, as a diabetic patient? Is there a different way we can design clinical services that are much more about delivering that care for patients outside of a hospital setting? So in a lower cost setting, in community settings or in primary care, rather than those people being brought routinely back into hospitals. So, you know, it's it, it, it isn't rocket science I would suggest it, it it's what yeah. all of us would, would it's what all of us would want to be trying to deliver for our population but I think it's quite helpful that that framework is really well embedded here in Wales and it sort of drives much of the narrative both from a policy perspective but also from an operational delivery perspective within the organizations yeah. and in terms of that policy perspective you know is is uh NHS Wales sort of quite self-contained or do you get quite a big steer from the Welsh Assembly or NHS England? How does that how does that focus work? Yeah, so, so, so obviously health health in Wales is, is, is devolved so it's it's entirely uh, the responsibility of the um, Senate, the Welsh Parliament um, and we have our own 
Finance Minister in Wales who sets the policy direction for the NHS in Wales. Um, one of the interesting differences I've noticed coming in from England into Wales is that the, the, the sort of the line of sight between policy, politicians and health boards is very short. So, you know, we have seven health boards. There's a chief executive of the NHS in Wales, who's also the director general in the Welsh Government for Health um, and the minister. So it's quite close. So, so there is a benefit to that because, you know, the policy is it very much shaped and driven and influenced by the feedback that we as health boards give to uh, the policy leads in Welsh Government. There can be a downside, but candidly, sometimes that, that 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 means the politics is very close, and so politicians are probably more directly involved in health probably than I've been used to in England. Partly yeah. because of the scale of the budget, it, the scale of the budget in Wales, it's such a significant chunk of the Welsh government budget. You can understand why they they want to make sure yeah. they understand what they're spending their money on. But also, health, like in everywhere, right, is it's a very topic for lots of the population uh, and and the local democratic representatives get a lot of correspondence around health issues so they understandably want to make sure they understand it as well so there is a there is an advantage to it though however because it's not just about welsh government health minister it's also about how does health and the opportunity for partnerships and industry partnerships how does that play into things like the econ economic department of Welsh Government and um, local government department of Welsh Government? So I, it does feel quite integrated, if I'm honest, that, that health doesn't sort of sit as a standalone um, part of government. It's very much interfaced into the economy department, into the local government department, um, other, other, other areas of government. So there is a real drive within Welsh Government to understand how any aspect of policy in government influences health and well-being of the population which i think is a really yeah. positive thing given the given the scale of the challenges and the fact that we know that most of the issues facing people's health and well-being the nhs input to that is probably about 10 percent the rest of it is it all driven by other factors such as housing leisure employment education so having a government that has that woven into its sort of thinking across all the all the departments is actually a really positive thing i think in that government thinking, you know, so you guys have had the integrated healthcare system or, or something sort of pretty analogous to it for, I think, t 10 or so years now. Is is that still the direction that you you're, you get the sense that the Welsh government wants to go in? You know, do you like it? Do you, and then, do you know, I guess, yeah. do you have any advice for as, as the integrated healthcare systems, you know, evolve in England mm -hmm. at different places across the country? You know, are there any sort of top tips that you might have for them? So, so um, yes, you're right. The, the structure in Wales has been in place since 2009, so quite a considerable amount of time. Um, and I think, I think people in Wales would acknowledge that maybe we haven't capitalised on the opportunities that that presents as much as we could have done. But I think that is changing. I don't see any any um, interest in government in Wales to shift the structures that we've got. Uh, they're very clear that the health boards are the primacy of how healthcare gets planned and delivered for the local populations that we serve. So that's a positive thing. I, I think one of the things I noticed coming in from England, which is, I think is a positive thing for us, is that um, we have a capitated sum of money. So my health board has 1.3 billion pounds we get given, and it's for us to design how we best spend that money for the uh, health improvement of our population. Uh, we don't have to try and negotiate with a whole set of other people um, 
if we want to try and make some changes. So if I decide that we wanted to, I don't know, develop a new incentive model to reduce admissions to hospital, we have the levers within our gift to actually develop an, an enhanced service for primary care to do that. If we decided that community services need to be reconfigured to better serve the needs of frail older population, we've got the we've got all of those services within our direct control we can do that so one of the things i find with the structure in wales which is helpful is it's a more simplified structure yeah it doesn't it doesn't need loads of you know the, the number of stakeholders around the table are, are are a lot lower particularly from a health perspective you know we we just have the health board we have three local authorities that we have to work with in our patch which obviously is are really important for our sort of integration of health and social care but from a health perspective it's not like in england where you're trying to sort of navigate through sort of an icb the the, the, the acute hospital provider the community services provider the mental health provider you know we 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 are all of those things in one so it just makes it a more streamlined and efficient way of spending our time and do you think that sort of streamlining is, is, is possible in England or do you think it's just that England is, is that much of a larger system and therefore we sort of won't yeah. manage to achieve it? So so I, I, I you know, look it is absolutely a much larger system and clearly there's a, a greater degree of complexity because of the size of England and the scale of what of what's responsible but I suppose if you break it down to an ICB level I suppose we've now got a structure in England of ICBs uh, overseeing the health needs for their population but you've still got providers with their own chief executives their own boards um, who are obviously are now ever more integrated into the ICB but there is still an autonomy mm. of those organizations that's the one difference that we have in Wales that we don't have that autonomy it's, it is it is all one um, and one budget one set of executives running the organization one chief executive one board uh, and I think maybe who knows where that where it will go in England over time, but it feels at the moment that maybe there's quite a bit of time and energy being spent trying to navigate quite complex accountabilities with the ICB and provider structures in England, which I think we feel I certainly I feel in Wales that we are able to perhaps um, not have to not have to deal with that complexity. It's a bit more straightforward for us to get on and make decisions. Yeah, I, I can certainly recognize that so when I was in the NHS and the integrated care systems were coming together or still are coming together and it's trying you know trying to negotiate quite complex landscapes of different trusts coming you know trusts and former CCGs and things coming together whereas I guess in Wales with that much tighter close-knit approach um, some of those some of those challenges are already or, or yeah already addressed to an extent um, I guess so following on on the integrated care system theme, so in England we've got you know the, the priorities and operational planning guidance. You know what's the Welsh equivalent of that, and can you offer any insights into it? Yeah, so we have a we have a, um, we have a planning process uh, very much akin to that in Wales. Um, uh, integrated medium-term plans, which are aimed to be delivered over three years. Uh, there's there's a set of priorities that get set by government from the minister and from, from policy leads around areas to work on. So we have to respond every year in how we're going to be uh, planning for the following year to deliver the priorities set by government and policy. Uh, so it, it is very similar. Um, the, the, 
the challenge, I suppose, like everybody at the moment is, you know, there are so many priorities, aren't there? You know, we've got to recover elective care performance. We've got to get A&E performance back on track. We've got to deliver improvements in mental health care and maternity care in, uh, in develop further improvements in discharge with social care colleagues, as well as then the longer term financial and uh, population health improvements that we're all trying to make. So I guess like everybody at the moment, one of the pressures and challenges is juggling those competing priorities and trying to do that within the confines of what's available to us from a resource perspective, both both from a financial resource, but also from a from a workforce resource as well, because like everybody, we're we're challenged in terms of the work, having the capacity in the workforce to deliver everything we want to do. And, and when you have those sort of workforce capacity challenges, that means you're trying to embrace sort of ever greater digital tools, as we sometimes hear, or are there sort of other approaches that you that you use that might yeah, be worth sharing? Uh, yeah, so so I think certainly from my organisation's point, we are, we are trying to look at how we think about the opportunities that digital brings us. I don't think it's the only, it's not the panacea that's going to solve all the workforce problems, but it certainly gives the opportunities and the tools for us to start to be a bit more uh, productive and think about how we uh, use digital solutions to make people's work, work life more efficient. I also think there's something about how we can use um, technology to get patients doing more of things for themselves. We've had recently, we've piloted um, in our heart failure services uh, uh, an app that enables patients to self-report their, um, their, their condition, their, uh, their various vital signs. That's remotely monitored by nurses. It means they don't have to come into hospital for routine routine appointments, which obviously is, is, is where we want to be in the future. So there's definitely an opportunity for technology to, 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 to provide them much of the solution. The challenge, candidly, we have in my organisation is that our digital architecture and infrastructure is, is not as well developed as we, we would like. So we've got to we've got to make sure some of the core systems and processes are in place uh, to enable us to be able to capitalise on the opportunity of digital solutions. I think there's also something then about different models of workforce. So thinking about how um, it's the old thing, isn't it? Everyone talks about you know, getting people to operate at the top of their license and so making sure that, you know, Doctors, consultants, GPs, advanced practice nurses, therapists, and others—they're they're all doing the things that only they can do, and we're delegating as much as we can to other professionals or and support staff, so that we are actually getting uh, only the professionals doing the things that they can do. I think again, there's still more work for us to do here. I think it, we're a little bit behind the curve. I think in Wales, in some areas, and things like advanced practice nurse consultants, therapy consultants advanced clinical practitioners but we're, we're certainly in my organization doing a lot of work on that agenda at the moment um, and then also just thinking about you know uh, again how do we how do we make sure that we're not bringing people into hospital for things when they could be having that done in their own home or in their community setting and so trying to reduce the burden on our uh, on our hospital-based staff uh, so yeah a lot like everybody it's a it's a big challenge you know that there's yeah. never going to be en- there's never going to be enough workforce i don't think to, to and it's not just a wales problem or a uk problem is it's a global problem in terms of workforce very much so yeah, yeah workforce. so i think it does drive you though to think about innovations and different way of doing things so uh, and with those innovations how how do you balance the costs or do you have any words of wisdom for anybody on in industry who might be listening in? You know, how do you balance the cost of those innovations coming in? Is it that you need to see things that are sort of going to be cost saving within year or are you still able to take a, a, a longer term view? Is, is, is there still that balance here in, in Wales? Yeah. Because 
that desire for savings within year. Yeah, well, I think like everybody at the moment, given the financial challenges, everyone's trying to chase the uh, the thing that's going to that make them some savings in year. I, I think there's something about um, opportunities that are quick wins that can be delivered within a year, but but that but that perhaps are done within the construct of a longer term financial plan. Um, and I do think there's something here, but and I think this is part of how the NHS needs to perhaps adapt and change because I think historically the NHS has been commercially quite naive and perhaps tends to focus on contracting for a certain number of things you know procurement tends to be about procuring items and things so and less less used to uh, going into long-term sort of partnership arrangements with industry that are about you know mm. more long-term relationship and I think the NHS needs to perhaps start to think a bit more differently about how it does that certainly when I was in England in my last trust in England we, there were a number of areas where we went into sort of longer-term commercial arrangements with partners around estate developments digital developments clinical service developments and i think that that starts to build a trust and relationship between the nhs and the, and the industry partner where actually you feel that you're both waving towards a common goal and it's not just about how many of these did we buy or how many of those have you not delivered it, it becomes much more of a what's the long-term outcomes that we're trying to collectively deliver together and how do we contract and and, and procure a service model that is Perhaps slightly different to the ones that we've been used to procuring in the past. That's really interesting, and, and I think there's a that push across the UK to, to to you know have that more more integrated thinking, if if I can put it like that. Um, I guess, do, do you think there are any sort of further nuances of, of the Welsh system that industry might need to consider as compared to sort of whether you know England or Scotland mm. or Northern Ireland? Yeah, so I think I think just being being cognizant of the fact that within the Welsh Government, the historic uh, appetite for industry partnerships with the NHS has been low, though I do think yeah. that is changing now. So just to give you an example, we're currently uh, in a procurement process looking at um, diagnostics and, and looking, out, looking for a partner to work with us on diagnostics. And that's being done not just within my health board, but a couple of the neighbouring health as well so I do think that is becoming more accepted I think there's a there's a couple of things that I think are always a little bit proviso within these sorts of arrangements in Wales which are how how do we start to, how do we show that whatever the arrangement we're going into with a commercial partner how does it have a time frame on it that says you know this is a for a period of years but it's not unnecessary an open-ended arrangement the ambition would be that 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 would be developed through the in and mainstreamed into the NHS at the end of that contract term so you know that there's always an ambition to see well how are you going to how are we using this relationship with an industry partner to help build our own capabilities within the NHS so that at a point in time we would hope that we would be able to carry on uh, as the NHS alone so I, I think going into that and recognizing that sometimes is a is something that people would want to see I think there's something about um and rightly so in Wales, uh, a great degree of focus on the whole concept of the NHS being an anchor institution. So how does how does a partnership with industry help the NHS develop and grow uh, its responsibilities towards our communities, whether that's a, a opportunities for training and development of local people, uh, bringing, uh, developing the skills of, of, of people to get 
jobs in the NHS or within the industry because I think you know we all know don't we that one of the biggest drivers for health outcomes is income and so if we can help through industry partnership also grow the skills and capabilities of the local population that is also a big ticket uh, um, for Welsh Government because a, a key driver as, as a public sector organisation in Wales for us is the um, backdrop of the uh, Future Generations Act in Wales. So this is an act which is unique to Wales, which stipulates that every public sector body has to articulate how what it's doing now isn't just about improving the, the outcomes for people today, but also takes into consideration the needs of future generations as well, which I think is a really sure. interesting concept. Um, and, and it starts to get you into the territory of thinking not just about what we're doing today, but also where we're going down the, uh, into the future. That really sounds like something that industry is going to have to be thinking about when they come to you with, you know, pilot proposals or projects or um, collaboration agreements or just, I guess, selling directly into you. I mean, is, is it the case that you'd want to see sort of case studies or so what, what sort of evidence would you want to see from a, a potential supplier that they can, that they can deliver? Yeah, well, I think I think definitely a, a an understanding of the environment, because I think, you know, mm. it, it is a different environment in Wales, you know, both both politically, governmentally, um, policy wise. There is a, there are some differences and nuances in, in Wales. And I think there is sometimes a little bit of a frustration in Wales that people just sort of take something from England and sort of um, and, and, and sort of try and sort of fit it into the Welsh context. So a, a bit of sort of evidence of how people have understood the Welsh context and, and how it's slightly different, um, an understanding of some of the policy drivers and policy context, so reflecting the fact that we have a very strong focus on value-based healthcare in Wales, reflecting mm. on the fact that we have the Future Generations Act, which guides and drives much of national policy, not just in health, but across all government departments. Um, I would say also the Welsh language um, um, requirements of you know, again, we, there are things in Wales that we have to have uh, in, in both languages um, and, and we have to pay attention to that, particularly from a health perspective when we are uh, interacting with patients and things like that. So I, I think it's, there's nothing there that I would say is a massive barrier, but I think it's just things that when you're looking to position solutions into the NHS in Wales, showing that you've understood the context, showing that you've understood the particular nuances of the Welsh system. Uh, is always really helpful and I think just stands you in a better stead when you're having those conversations with both health boards, NHS organisations, but also potentially government organisations in Wales. And, and for, for listeners who might be thinking, goodness, uh, I'm going to have to learn a bit more about the Welsh environment. Is Would you say that, again, it's sort of Life, life Science Hub Wales is, is the best place to go to sort of get yeah, that initial so I think that view? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I definitely Life Sciences Hub are a good place to go and have a conversation with because I think they, they can give you a, a very detailed understanding. They've got they run regular in opportunities for um, industry partners to to chat, to come together to talk about what's going on in Wales and opportunities to interface into other key people within the Welsh system. But I think also just just taking the time to read some of the sort of policy documents that are out there in Welsh Government, a healthier Wales which was published about five or six years ago now, is very clear in terms of setting the direction of travel for the healthcare system in Wales. Uh, you've mentioned the prudent healthcare uh, background, that's very much still current, and there's, there's information out there around the value-based healthcare work that's going on. So, so I think both there's, 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 there's quite a bit of stuff out there that's available, which would help give some context 
and set some of the uh, um, the architecture out there that you'd be able to sort of get relatively easily from um, from a search online. Um, but also, as I said, life sciences hub or indeed you know bilateral conversations with health boards and others would be probably helpful as well. Thank you. I think that's a, that's a really good set of insights onto yeah how people can make those initial first steps into into understanding the the Welsh landscape. Um, so a slightly different area that I'd like just to probe on slightly is, you know, you've got the, sort of the regular commissioning of service we talk about there, but how, how does specialised commissioning work in Wales? You know, how, how do you guys end up funding high cost drugs? Yeah, so um, obviously, as I said earlier, we get as a health board an allocation of money for all of the healthcare needs of our population. Um, mm. And the seven, health, the seven health boards in Wales collaborate and we have um, a joint committee of all the health boards called the the the, the welsh specialist service committee and mm. so we have a dedicated group of people in that management team supporting that committee whose job it is to commission specialist services on behalf of the seven health boards in wales so they will be doing a lot of the horizon scanning of uh, new procedures coming on stream, new new drug therapies that are coming on stream, um, and we'll be making recommendations to the joint committee about things that we should be commissioning in Wales, or indeed, if we don't have the scale of um, of demand or can justify doing it in Wales, how do we commission from other providers in England? Uh, and there's already a number of arrangements in place for specialist services to be commissioned for patients from Wales to go into England to have various treatments that are of very high, you know, high niche um, things. So we've got a specialist service committee that do do all that commission, commissioning on our behalf. Uh, but ultimately, it's the health board's money that they're spending. You see what I mean? So yeah. we get sort of effectively top sliced for that resource and that gets managed through the specialist service committee. Okay, that makes sense. And, and you mentioned the horizon scanning for new things that would be great to yeah. implement. How, how do you get your, how do you get an innovation notice there? Well, how, do you have any yeah, insights on how that works? Yeah, so we, the, we have um, a, a body in Wales uh, who oversee sort of new medical devices uh, and sort of go through that approval process. So, um, that we have us, it's like a nice type of model, but for for devices yeah. in Wales, uh, Health Technology Wales uh, do that for us. We obviously subject to nice um, nice guidelines as well, so we we have we we we, we implement the nice guidelines, but um, but Med, uh, Health Technology Wales do that horizon scanning of of new devices that are coming on stream, and we'll do the evaluations of new devices. Um, so that's and they they work closely with the life sciences hub as well so that's where much of that comes through and when then when that gets disseminated out into health boards um and also through specialist commissioning if necessary um to look at how we deploy those across the nhs in wales i i still think there's probably more we can be doing there i think one of the challenges you have mm. uh, and like everybody is 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 um the adoption of some of those things because it isn't just we were having a conversation the other day actually about um high cost cancer therapies that you know there's a lot of new cancer drugs that are coming on stream lots of new high cost mm. therapies for, for cancer that are coming on but of course it isn't just the cancer drug costs that is incurred by the nhs it's all the sort of care ongoing care costs that are associated with the drug therapy and sometimes we we look at the cost of the drug but we don't take into account perhaps the end-to-end 
total cost of care for the for the patient because of the um, the sort of outpatient activity or the diagnostic activity that that patient may need. And and do you think there's a place for industry to maybe step in and help with those sort of wider costs or the wider role in the community? Or do you think that's something that yeah. has to come from within the NHS itself? You know, is there room for collaboration there? And well, maybe no, I, I, I think there is. And I, and I know that there is an opportunity. And I think and many industry partners I've spoken to previously are potentially interested in the opportunities of thinking not just about how they provide the medical device or the pharmaceutical, but actually, you know, could we think about taking a cohort of patients and actually almost working collaboratively with the NHS to design a model of care that is involving the therapeutic or um, med tech device, but is also about thinking about how do we provide the nurse resource that might support that or the, um, the clinical input into the conversation. So I do think there is something we should be thinking more actively in the NHS about. Uh, I, I mean, again, this is a personal thing, not necessarily an NHS in Wales thing, but I do think, you know, provided we still maintain the principle that the, the service is free at the point of delivery for the patient, it, I, my personal view is it should matter less about who's actually delivering it, provided the patient gets a timely and good quality outcome for their care. So I do think there are opportunities to think, particularly in some sort of, cancer is a good example, isn't it, of sort of how do you start to think about perhaps different models of delivery that are about collaboration between industry, not just in the therapeutic intervention, but also in the sort of care, ongoing care needs for that patient. Yeah, uh, and, and that makes sense. And you, so in, that, in terms of delivery of that care, do you sort of see increasing digital care and, and telemedicine, or are you sort of thinking more physical people or a bit of both? I think it's probably a bit of both, isn't it? I mean, if you think about what's gone on uh, in England and again, we're just having conversations about this in Wales at the moment around virtual wards, for example, there's lots of examples now coming out, aren't there, of how many patients are being able to be cared for remotely using digital technologies, remote devices, those sorts of things. So I think that definitely has a, has a, has a big part to play moving forward. But I also think, you know, there are opportunities where you know, industry providers may have skills and expertise that can be deployed very actively, whether it's around population health management, whether it's around particular care pathways for particular groups of patients. So I think it's probably a combination of um, data and information technology support, as well as potential clinical advice and support into, into teams. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, when you look at a parallel we work already in the NHS quite actively with charitable organisations. So think about Macmillan or Marie Curie. Um, you know, I was visiting a district nurse team last, last week and they were describing how they work very actively with Marie Curie nurses working alongside the district nurse service. So, you know, we've got examples of where we're already working alongside other organisations delivering clinical care to patients. I suppose, you know, if we challenged ourselves, why why would it be any different to think about working alongside a clinical team from a an industry partner who've got expertise and professional knowledge in a particular area, why wouldn't we want to capitalise on that and think about how we use that more actively with an NHS organisation? Yeah, it was very encouraging to hear that there's, you know, creative thinking, or maybe not, maybe not even that creative, but, you know, it's there's, there is flexibility in Wales to think about how things can be delivered as long as it's, you know, still that NHS free at the, at the point of use and it's yeah. whoever's delivering it maybe matters slightly less in uh, in your view 
I mean, do you do you struggle at all with digital literacy? So, so down down where I am on the on the south coast, you know, there are some areas which have much reduced uh, to digital literacy. And so, you know, while digital is great, it has to be some digital first, but you still have to maintain the other parts mm. of that uh, pathway. Do you yeah. have the sort of the same? Yeah, yeah, we do, and and I think particularly in the, the the demography of the population we serve, there are some pockets very much where digital literacy is relatively low or the availability of digital tools is quite low. So, you know, there's examples where, you know, um, you could give everybody a mobile phone, you know, to help them monitor their health condition more actively, but if they haven't got the money to pay for the data on that phone, mm, then you're going to be sort yeah. of um, barking up the wrong tree there. So there is definitely something we, we, we are doing to think about how do we support upskilling of um, people to use digital tools more actively. But I also think um, there's something there about how we, um, you know, there's sometimes there's a danger that we 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 say, well, we need to we need to solve that problem before we do anything. I would I would say, well, let's design the solution that fits 90% of the population that can use the technology, and then work mm. out how we support the 10% that can't. Uh, because sometimes I, I I sometimes have a nervousness that we we don't do anything because we're trying to design the solution that fits the 10% first. Um, and let's let's deal with the 90% of the people that can use the technology first and then work out how we come up with a solution for the other 10%. So, but it is a real issue. And um, and also not just with our patients, we, you know, candidly, you know, our, our age profile, profile of our staff is skewed towards the latter end. And, you know, again, some of our older members of staff can feel a bit uh, unsure and uncertain about using digital tools to interact mm. with patients. They sometimes feel more comfortable, you know, doing something face to face or on paper because it's just what they've always been used to. And we see quite a lot um, of people towards the end of their careers saying, well, you know, I'm retiring in the next couple of years. I don't really want to invest much time and energy in getting to grips with this new technology solution because I won't be here in a couple of years time and it's not something I'm particularly comfortable with. So, and we just have to recognize that. I think that is natural, isn't it? People at that stage in their career, but there's also a lot of our newly qualified staff, you know, newly new qualified nurses, newly qualified doctors who are used to using digital tools in every aspect of their daily life and would find it odd to come to work and not be using digital technologies to make their life easier or to make their patients' life easier. So I think there's something about how do we capitalise and use those new, new and upcoming skills that we're seeing from our younger members of staff to help coach and support some of the uh, older members of staff in, in seeing how this could actually make their lives easier and make their uh, care for their patients more easier. Absolutely. I think maybe one thing I'd just like to follow up on that is I, I've sort of worked a lot with different NHS organisations and looking at bits of digital technologies that they can introduce. And one thing that even staff who are quite interested in adding new digital piece of tech is they don't want yet another dashboard. So do, do you have any advice to companies on, you know, is that a, a the same in Wales? And I imagine it is. Mm -hmm. But yeah. are, are there sort of, sort of Welsh systems or APIs or, you know, digital standards that companies should be looking to understand and, and build towards to make sure that their systems mm -hmm. can integrate? seamlessly rather than creating yet another dashboard for yeah 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 i think the question of interoperability is really really important and i think uh certainly in wales like england really you know the drive is to have much more open architecture apis um and there is a there is a 
there's a uh, strategy in Wales now of developing a national data registry so that all the data that collected in health and social care systems will be stored centrally. So no matter what interface you're using, um, you should be able to access the information about a patient, uh, whether they're in Cardiff or Aberystwyth or Wrexham. You know, so 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 that I think gives a good platform from an architecture perspective. So the need for open APIs to interface into that is really really important. Um, I, I think you know one of the things that slightly worries me with, with the NHS is the uh, our ability to move at scale to adopt to new digital technologies, and because of that, sometimes I think clinicians and indeed patients may well start to go and find their own solutions so you know there's such a plethora aren't there of apps out there now for people to manage mm, health absolutely. the risks are if we can't move quickly as the nhs patients will just go and find their own solutions to manage their own health condition and that will be happening outside of the architecture of the nhs so i think one of the big challenges for the nhs moving forward is how do we use all that data and information that's being held and collected in you know people's apps that their smart watches, whatever else it may be, and how do we sort of make sure that we can um, get in, intelligence and insights from that? Because uh, I think there is a danger we try and design architecture that is quite big and large scale and a bit slow when actually, you know, the technology is moving so fast in this space. And by the time we've designed that, you know, it's moved on and we're almost already playing catch up from the day it's launched. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can see that being a challenge, and maybe industry can uh, can contribute towards you know working out what that framework is to sort of bring that agility. Um, we're coming to the end of the session, and so I think you know maybe time for a couple more of your insights. But yeah, if, if you were me and you'd have been asking yourself questions here, what, what do you think I've missed? What do you think people who are sort of looking at Wales and looking at England, you know? Are there any sort of key lessons that I've missed off asking you or other other, other insights you could bring? <laughs> um, I, I, I suppose if I was you and I'd be, and if, or if I was an industry partner, I might be asking, is it worth me uh, investing time and energy to, to, to spend time in Wales when it's a relatively small population compared to the wider English system? Uh, I would suggest to people that, to answer that question, I'd say yes, because in some ways, because the Welsh system is quite small and contained, it does enable a relatively simple conversation to be had with the NHS in Wales and maybe gives a greater opportunity to um, innovate and try things out in Wales that could then be spread into England. So I would yeah. I would make a play, play for that. Um, maybe I would ask as well, are we set up and are we open to industry partnerships in Wales? And to which I would answer, I think probably historically less so than in England, but I think that is changing. And I think there's yeah. been quite a shift in over the past couple of years, both from a policy perspective, there's been quite a lot of new leadership coming into the NHS in Wales, many of whom have worked in England, who've been used to seeing things uh, in relationship to industry partnerships. So I do think the environment is changing. So I would definitely say, um, uh, you know, the environment is is different now, I think, to perhaps where it was a few years ago in terms of the acceptance and readiness for industry partnerships. But I think also just saying to people again, to bring, 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 bring it to a, a conclusion, I do think the opportunities in Wales are significant, not just within the NHS space, but also to think about, you know, how do you tie into things like other industry partnerships and med tech developments that could generate employment opportunities, industry opportunities within the wider NHS and 
public sector in Wales. So I do think there is a there is a the environment. It feels like quite an interesting environment to be uh, pointing your attentions to. Thank you. Yeah, that certainly sounds like there's a huge number of opportunities in Wales for companies to to move in and collaborate and and succeed. So that's a really encouraging. Maybe maybe a good note to finish on as well. I think that's a a very positive note to end on. So I think it'll just just remain to sort of say. Thank you so much, Paul, for, for coming along and talking to us today. And um, yeah, we really enjoyed the, having Great. this conversation and I think I've learned a lot. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Robert. And thanks to you all for listening. I hope, you, hope it's been helpful. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, then. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to find out more about our work with the NHS or how we could support your market access goals, please email info at mtechaccess.co.uk or visit our website at mtechaccess.co.uk.